This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. As always, a lot to talk about here tonight. You can call in about what you want. In the meantime, we go to things that are kind of interesting to us. Mark, what did you bring in tonight to to, uh, discuss? Well, here's an, um, an article that's sort of, you know, it's it's a uh, little slice of life piece, I guess, uh, talking about a woman who apparently didn't give up her bus seat, a uh, black woman, uh, back in uh, the 50s, before Rosa Parks, from... Uh, huh. Yeah, from the Charlotte Observer, Portland, Maine, more than 50 years after her refusal to surrender her bus seat to a white woman, set the stage for a similar act of defiance by Rosa Parks. Claudette Colvin is finally getting her due as a civil rights pioneer. In March 2, 1955, the 15-year-old schoolgirl from Montgomery, Alabama, was dragged off the bus by police, handcuffed, and jailed. But her act, bold act, drew little support from classmates, many of whom shunned her, or from the city's black leadership. She went to court the following year as a plaintiff in a landmark lawsuit that struck down the illegal underpinnings for segregated buses in the uh, Jim Crow South and ended the bus boycott that kick-started the civil rights movement. But even then, she won scant recognition and had remained a footnote in history. Author Philip Hose stumbled upon Calvin's story doing research for a book in the role of uh, young people in U.S. history. It took him more than six years to track down Colvin, who was living in the Bronx, New York, for a series of interviews that led to his book, Claudette Colvin, Twice Towards Justice, which was released last month. The book, told in part in Colvin's own voice, uh, relates how the daily humiliation of riding the bus to and from Montegray's Booker T. Washington High School fueled her refusal to heed the driver's order to vacate her seat. The 69-year-old, who called the act of defiance a very impulsive act, said she was inspired by figures from her school's Negro History Month. It was Sojourner Truth uh, pushing me back down that, um, into that seat, said, saying, Girl, you can't get up. And Harriet Tubman, too. Hmm. All those people were in the back of my mind, she said. Pulitzer Prize winner Taylor Branch, whose three-volume biography of King is regarded as a definitive history of the civil rights movement, said Colvin's action was a missed opportunity. People were waiting and hoping and praying for some way to challenge segregation, and they decided she wasn't it, Branch said in an interview. He said uh, it, it was an extraordinary person like Rosa Parks. To, it took an extraordinary person like Rosa Parks to galvanize the downtrodden black community to the point where 50,000 riders would boycott the buses for more than a year. After Colvin was arrested and charged with violating segregation laws, disorderly conduct and assault, of course, disorderly conduct, had an, you knew it, blacker leaders met with police to, love that one. to try to resolve the case. Among those present were the uh, Reverend Martin Luther King and Dr. Martin Luther King, then 26, who had just arrived from Atlanta to become a pastor of the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. The idea of a bus boycott, which King went on to lead, was gaining momentum in the black community, Hose said, but its organizers didn't think Colvin was the one whose case should be used to trigger such a risky campaign. Hmm. It always gets to the point where she's deemed unacceptable to be the face of the, the movement, the author said. She was described as feisty and profane, even though she never used foul language at a time when black leaders were bent on someone who would project an image of impeachable integrity. 
Who's suggested that the uh, other factors also may have come into play? Colvin was dark-skinned at a time when fairer skin carried more status among blacks. She also came from a neighborhood So she was too black? That's correct. Uh, It came from a neighborhood of unpaved streets lined with shotgun shacks and outdoor privies. So she was from the wrong side of the tracks, too. Wow, so she was being discriminated against within her own uh, race, for lack of a better term. Well, she was poisoning the well. To c- c- complicate Not matters, respectable enough. Apparently. She, wasn't, she didn't do it quite right. Hmm. To complicate matters, Colvin discovered during the ordeal that she had been impregnated by a much older married man. That complicates matters. When the pregnancy was discovered, she was expelled from school. Black churches and community groups raised money to pay for this Colvin's appeal. The judge dropped two of the charges but kept the conviction for assaulting officers who drug her off the bus. She was ordered to pay a small fine nine months after Colvin's arrest. A lighter-skinned department store seamstress named Rosa Parks took her stance, winning a place in history. Colvin was not yet forgotten by members of the civil rights movement. In early 56, Colvin's lawyer enlisted the teenager as one of four black female plaintiffs in the lawsuit that challenged the constitutionality of segregated public transportation. The U.S. District Court ruled two to one in their favor, a decision that was upheld by the Supreme Court. The long-forgotten case, Browder versus Gale, led to a, um, in integration on buses doing for public transportation what the Supreme Court did um, in Brown versus the Board of Education, Topeka, Kansas, did for education in 1954. But these things didn't work out as well for Colvin, as white resentment about her role in the campaign uh, made it more difficult to get a job. She moved to New York, where her sister was living. She lived there in quiet anonymity, now retired after working as a nursing home aide. Colvin said she harbored no resentment about her lack of recognition, but was disappointed that her story and that of her fellow plaintiffs have gotten the short shrift. She said she was proud to be able to tell her five grandchildren of her accomplishments and believed her sacrifices made life better for them. Who said that he, who's this this lawyer, said he was, uh, excuse me, the author, um, was surprised that Colvin's story had never been chronicled in detail. I hope it makes it impossible to talk about the beginnings of the civil rights movement without really describing what Claudette Colvin did, he said. That's that's really my own standard for the success or failure of this book. And, you know, when I read this article, I I, I couldn't help but uh, draw parallels to uh, civil disobedience here in New Hampshire. I can't say I'm the biggest fan of civil disobedience here. And one of the no, you're not. You've been quite the critic. Yep. One of the reasons is that... uh, you know, things don't live up to my standards necessarily. Um, what do you mean by that? Well, d- different types of civil disobedience don't necessarily live up to my standards. For instance, uh, Lauren Canario and driving, uh, not driving with a driver's license, Russell Canning also. And, uh, you know, just all the pieces of the puzzle don't seem to fit to, in, into my perfect universe. But then mm-hmm. I'm reading uh, uh, Miss Colvin's thing here, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if she'd been older... And she hadn't gotten pregnant, which the pregnancy really didn't come around till afterwards. Right. She'd been from the right side of the tracks. Her stance was really no different than uh, Rosa Parks. And it's when you read this story in retrospect, 50 years later, more than 50 years later, you you kind of get a different feel for it. You know, like now I feel bad that um, you know Miss Colvin didn't get the recognition that Rosa Parks did. I feel like she took the stand before Rosa Parks did. I know that uh, you know the, the 15 year old schoolgirl probably didn't get a lot of training in civil disobedience. No, not I likely. know that Rosa Parks had taken classes on civil disobedience. So you know Rosa Parks was coached. This girl was uncoached. Mm-hmm. And 
apparently didn't use any foul language or anything like that, and she got you know treated poorly by the police. I don't know about Miss Parks, and I I don't know you know whether she was drug off the bus or what what her situation was. It seemed um, a lot harder to uh, treat an old lady like that. You know, and I'm just I I guess I'm I guess I'm left with the civil disobedience thing, wondering hmm maybe all the second guessing is done by a bunch of pe- bunch of you know line sitters that. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going. Don't necessarily know how things are going to go. Well, I mean, that's the impression I've gotten that uh, a lot of people are really quick to criticize, but not I'll probably so f- continue. It's fine. I yeah. mean, it's an easy thing to do, and I think that to some extent, criticism is important. I think it's important uh, for people to hear how they're being received uh, out there. But at the same time, I I don't think it should dissuade them from doing it in the future. Uh, I I think that there's value to it. But I don't think that people should assign too much value to it. You're just talking about one man's opinion of what you've done. And I'm talking about when I say you, I mean those who have engaged in civil disobedience. So I think that you should continue to criticize where you believe it should be uh, put out there. And maybe they'll hear what you're saying and think, okay, well, I I didn't, didn't really think too hard before I did this. Or maybe that's a decent critique. Or that guy's an idiot. I'm not going to listen to a word he says. So let them let them decide for themselves. Yeah, I think that uh, I, th- I think that's sort of how one has to look at it. You know, I, I who knows what that pivotal piece is going to be as far as uh, civil disobedience that's going to you know make a real difference. And I don't even know how it's going to make a difference. I mean, obviously in yeah. Rosa Parks' case, it would seem like they would want to would, would have wanted to integrate buses, and they were successful. But who knows what's going to happen where. Well, that's why I say the more we have, the more, uh, the better chances that something will happen. Certainly much, uh, a lot of civil disobedience is going to go unsung, and I don't think everybody should enter into it thinking they're going to be a hero. No, no, I wouldn't get into it. More coming up. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever is on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us, including the bulletin board system. Over 400,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about there. Serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all, uh, find it all free over at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. This program brought to you by the Free State Project. It is a movement of thousands of liberty-loving people, all to become activists for freedom here in the great state of New Hampshire. And you're invited to be a part of it. Head over to freestateproject.org to learn more about the Free State Project and learn about the upcoming Liberty Forum happening in less than a month's time in Nashua, New Hampshire's Crown Plaza Hotel. It's going to be the biggest liberty-oriented convention you've probably attended with huge uh, names like Glenn Jacobs. You might know him as WWE's Kane, Richard Heller from the Heller versus D.C. gun case, uh, from the 2008 summer term for the Supreme Court. Also, Dr. Mary Ruart, the author of Healing Our World, she'll be speaking. And so many other uh, big-name speakers in the liberty movement, plus hundreds of liberty-loving individuals that are going to be hanging out and socializing, networking, uh, throwing after-hours parties, and it is just a great uh, good old time. Panel discussions, speeches, keynotes, and more. And head over to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum to get signed up and use our discount code, which is 2009FTL. That's 2009FTL 
for 10% off at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. We continue here. Take your phone calls about whatever you want, starting with Dave in the People's Republic of Somewhere. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live. Dave, are you there, sir? Dave going once. Dave going twice. Let's try Gil in Texas. Gil, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Fuck me. Whoa, you can't say that on the air. Gotta go. I mean, was that Dale or Gil? I don't know, but let's take whoever's next. Maybe Eric in Texas. No, this is Gil. Okay, Gil. Sounded like Dave was a little upset there, and we accidentally... I don't know what happened. Well, I'll get to what I, I put on put on the menu, but uh, I guess nothing will happen until folks start donning their Z for Vendetta costumes and really getting out there and, and mounting together. You're saying nothing's going to happen. Uh, we're, uh, no world we're... change will happen until we'll have some groups like uh, in the movie Beef of Vendetta. Well, that would certainly result in some significant change. I don't know if we're going to need quite that many people to uh, to make it happen. Uh, the, the V for V for Vendetta movie quite a powerful ending. Uh, I don't know if we should get into the details about it, but it did sure. involve a lot of people getting together and standing up and hitting the streets. Uh, but for that their was freedoms. Britain, and Britain is now completely, you know, under the eye of Big Brother over there. From what I understand, there's a camera on every street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My call was about this media hype over 1549. Now, I'm not going to hold a candle to the to the uh, pilot or the crew that that pulled, but you can see a soberness in the captain that he really he's 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 welcoming all this exposure. I mean, every time you look up, he's on all the networks, but you can get the feel that he really doesn't want to be put up on this pedestal. And you know, a hero is someone that people look to, while a saint is someone that walks in dark places himself a lot, not drawing any, you know, attention to himself. So I really think that you have to you have to really give the man uh, points for just wanting to be an, an ordinary person trying to do the right thing. And I well, think yeah, isn't he just a guy who is doing his job? Does that make him heroic? That's not what the media wants to portray him as. Yeah, no. yeah. You, you follow that. I see what you're saying, yeah. And it's sad that we don't hear about smaller things or more significant things that may have happened that maybe some of the untold heroes, if you will, that are still on the right side in our government that work for this country that, that, that bar the doors against all hell breaking loose. And sadly, even, is that this will be the top thing till something horrific happens. And yeah, I, I hate to say it, but I just get the feel that, oh, everything's okay, everything went fine with this, look how great this turns out. You know, when we cry this kind of thing out, you can rest assured the sore of Damocles is about to drop. Uh, I'm going to hang up. I really want to hear your callers' views on that. That's my feel of it. I'm sorry. I, I, I love the fact that nobody died and got hurt. But the way they're hyping this thing is they're calling for some kind of judgment to come down because they just barely got by. So and I just get the feel, huh? I'm, I'm just trying to clarify. What is it you're looking from the call, uh, for the callers to, to tell you? I really want to see what their feel of it is. Is that do they really think that you know, if we got if we cloned a million of these men like like the captain, that this country would be safe, that everything would be fine in the airways of this country? And I just feel that the sword of Damocles is going to come down. They're hyping this thing that look how beautiful this turned out. Ah, and you can see the soberness in them. Is you know, I wasn't through when the plane crashed. I still had to get the people out. You know, he's it's, it's like he's saying we diverted this one. But he won't. He can't say that because of the exposure he's getting. He don't want to take the. You know, he don't want to take that kind of heat. And they're putting up there, and he has to represent what they're portraying him as. But you can almost feel like 
there's a there's a, a, a kind of I don't want to say melancholy darkness to him, but yet and still it was a pseudo tragedy, and they're not focusing on that. They're focusing completely on this miracle on the Hudson. Hmm. Uh, y'all want to hear what the callers think? Okay. Right. Well, thank you for the call tonight, Gil. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Honestly, I don't watch the news, so I haven't really been paying attention to this story. I've, I mean, I know it happened. I've seen the captain. I didn't I didn't necessarily get the, the same feeling that Gil did out of it, but I probably haven't seen it as many times as he has either. either. It sounds like he's been uh, studying the man. Um, you know, it, it obviously does point out... Uh, you know some flaws in the system that we have there, and I think that uh, you know I think we'd have a better system if we didn't have just government the government running it. Let's continue with your phone calls and go to Dave in the People's Republic of somewhere. I think we had some phone trouble before. Dave, are you there? Hey, have you got me now? Yes. Uh, go ahead, sir. What's on your mind tonight? Okay. Well, I want to talk about air traffic control, but first, I I was reading the news tonight, and I I think that your doctor took advantage of you, Ian. What's that supposed to mean? As far as your vasectomy, okay, why? It seems uh, there's been a study out that people that uh, use copious amounts of marijuana end up having their testiculars just fall right off from cancer. Oh, I I think I saw something about that. <laughs> I, I don't know. Is that has that been verified that study at this point, or is it just yet another study? Well, I'm thinking it's a government-sponsored study. Mm, could very well be. I guess. Either anyway, way, I don't know if the... I would trust uh, marijuana to keep me sterile. I don't. I don't know if I trust them. There's plenty of potheads I... out there that have fathered children. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. Anyway, I wanted to talk about this air traffic control over in New York. Please. I heard a fellow last week call in. He was an air traffic controller talking about what a stellar job those guys do. That's right. He was defending his job. Sure. And I've been trying to find out where Empire is as far as air traffic control goes in New York. Where Empire is? Yeah, if you listen to the the air traffic control tape, the controller gets confused as to where he is when he calls Teterboro. He calls Teterboro and says, this is Empire, oh, uh, uh, LaGuardia. So he wasn't even sure where the heck he was at that day. Hmm. But any other air traffic controllers would like to call in and comment on Flight 52. I think it was an Avianca Colombian jet. That crashed, oh, I don't know, maybe around 1990 or something. Well, you know, to be fair to the guy that called, I'm sure there are air traffic controllers that do their darndest to uh, to do a good job. And on the well, other none hand, of them want to see any crashes on their watch. On the other that. hand, some of them are probably a little lazier than they might otherwise be in a true competitive free market environment. They, uh, Dave, thanks for the call. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website. Freetalklive.com is the place to go. The features on the site, they're completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's 
freetalklive.com. And uh, by the way, those features do include archives. So if you missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're right there on the front page for your downloading convenience. Have the stories of civil disobedience here in New Hampshire touched, moved, and inspired you, but you're unable for whatever reason to be involved? Well, now you can. The Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund at cdevolution.org allows you to care for these brave men and women by financially supporting them while they face down the organizations that operate through violence and coercion. cdevolution.org. That's cdevolution.org plus would like to remind you that when you shop at newegg.freetalklive.com for all your computer parts needs a percentage of your purchase will go to cd evolution so a great way to get the shopping done and that you need to do and at the same time uh support cd evolution 800-259-9231 we continue with your phone calls it's eric in texas eric you're on free talk live with ian and mark good evening gentlemen hey what's on your mind tonight I'm actually calling about the CD Evolution Fund. Uh, what about it? I have been very inspired by what's going on there in New Hampshire. And uh, I, I had an idea over the weekend, so I called Mark today and, and discussed it with him. And uh, for various legal reasons, there's, we won't be able to branch this idea out too far. But uh, what I'd like to do is uh, institute a bounty for a specific uh, type of activism. So the idea is you will contribute a certain amount of money and encourage others to contribute money to a particular fund within CD Evolution, and then uh, if someone actually goes ahead and does whatever it is you've specified you would like to see done, then they would they would collect that bounty. Is that the idea? Correct. Yeah, because I can't. You know, I'm not in New Hampshire right now, and I can't move. Uh, for at least a couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, but there are certain things I'd like to see people try. Great. Can you uh, give us some examples of what you might be, uh, what you have in mind as far as what what could be bountiful? I suppose. Uh, so uh, in the next couple of weeks here, um, as soon as I get my tax return, uh, which has money that does not belong to me in it, I will be sending Mark a check for a hundred dollars, and that hundred dollars will be earmarked to the first person who. Uh, is arrested for whatever they do in their normal course of civil disobedience, who insists on pleading no victim. Uh, normally, when you're arraigned, they insist that you plead not guilty or guilty. Or that's no contest. Or no contest, and that's all they'll accept. Mm-hmm. So I want to see somebody insist on pleading no victim. Okay. So any uh, instance of civil disobedience would be acceptable to you as long as they say no victim in front of the judge? Right. There, there has to be a, um, you know, and I talked to Eric about this, as he said, um, there has to be a camera in the room. <laughs> and they have to be able to provide video evidence. Um, that way, you know, I mean, the, the fact is people like to watch these videos of uh, the civil disobedience, especially the courtroom stuff. Mm-hmm. And they, um, they would have to obviously have some situation where they're in front of the judge. Hey, I love this idea. This is great. This is, I think, one of the things that uh, we've discussed about with the Civil Disobedience Fund or the Civil Disobedience Evolution Fund, that people will be able to contribute for specific purposes, uh, and that's great. I think it's yeah, a great I, idea. I would uh, caution here, I'll have the, the same cautionary uh, conversation I had with Eric, is that if you, uh, for instance, were to say, I'll give uh, you know $1,000 to somebody who's willing to stand out in uh, you know some central square in uh, Keene, New Hampshire, with a, a wad of marijuana in their hand. Now, at that point, you would be uh, you would be drawing uh, the wrath of the law upon yourself and upon Why? CD because well, what what was the charge that you got? Uh, what do you mean? What charge did you get there? Contempt. With? 
Uh, no, not the contempt. The one where you're uh, like the couch. Uh, no, not with the couch. The one where what you, are you talking about? Um, blogged about uh, the the guy. I was not charged with anything. Well, they threatened it. They they considered it, right? I guess, yeah. So, well, tell me what the name of that charge is. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. It's something like, uh, you know, what's that? Accessory. Yeah, it's it's something like, uh, you know, encouraging crime or something like that. Hmm. Okay. I'm so you're exact- saying you shouldn't be specific about it then. You can't be saying. too specific. In this case, he's not encouraging any crime. He's encouraging a plea. Got it. So, you know, that I, that I think is uh, an important cool. distinction. All right. So, so that, people, that yes, was sir? the uh, that that's the one that I'm uh, putting a hundred dollars towards. But what I'd like to see somebody else put money towards is for people who pay their fines in pennies. <laughs> I think that would be a great one for this because again, it's not a crime. You're just encouraging a a non-violent, non or totally legal form of activism. Now, would you uh, be specific to say that the individual would have to uh, conform with all of the rules that the government people would apply to them in order to submit their fine in pennies? Because usually, if you go with a stack of pennies, they'll say, "Well, you need to have those rolled, and you need to have your driver's license written on them, or you need to sign every single roll." Or they'll usually have some hoops that they want the penny payers to jump through. Would you uh, would you insist that they not jump through those hoops, or would you? Just say any time, any way you pay with pennies is fine. I w- I personally would say any way you pay in pennies is fine, but I mean it would be up to whoever's putting up the money on that one. Right, you're not putting the money up for that, but you will be contributing a hundred dollars for the someone who pleads no victim on an instance of civil disobedience. Great idea. Yeah. All right, Eric. Anything else you wanted to share tonight? No, that was it. Thanks, guys. Cool. Yeah, and of course, remember you can go over to cdevolution.org and contribute there via PayPal. I think it's only PayPal at this moment. I'm sure eventually as the organization gets a little larger, we'll institute some sort of uh, alternate credit card-y style payment system like like we have with AMP. It's just we, we could probably just take the AMP system when it's finished and copy it over to CD Evolution. Um, you know, with the uh, paying in pennies, it would seem like one thing that you could do, perhaps bring a camera in to, in order to record the, record the bureaucrats, but when they say, oh, yeah, well, you have to have these rolled, is if you have you have double the fine, one of them in pennies, one of them in rolls and one without, then you go out to your car, get the rolls, bring mm-hmm. them back in, and then you pay in, uh, you know, in rolls of pennies, and they still have the, the – that way they can't catch you with, uh, you know, the next – oh, well, now they have to have your driver's license on. What you just said is all they had to be was rolled. Yeah, and if you catch them on video, that might be a good requirement, too. Because uh, having, if you're going to qualify for these things, you may have to have documentation. So having a video footage of you going and paying in pennies would be yeah, ideal. And I don't see how they can require a driver's license number or anything like that. On, they can demand anything they want. I, it's legal tender. I really don't see how they can do that. Well, I'm with you, Mark, and uh, maybe somebody will challenge this, and we'll, we'll find out what happens. So cdevolution.org, making more disobedience possible. We continue with Paula in Florida. Paula, you are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Paula. Paula in Florida, going once. Paula in Florida, going twice. Do we have Paula? She's not there. All right, so 800-259-9231. As we continue here uh, with a little something from our buddy Dale over at anarchyinyourhead.com. The Slave Test. Or he asks, are you a slave? Recently, I wrote about how governments manufacture and evoke powerful symbols to essentially brainwash us and keep us obedient. I used an analogy of similar tactics in the past to efficiently maintain the obedience of household slaves. 
I have a friend who claims my language is far too strong. He says I overuse words like violence and slave to artificially infuse my arguments with emotion. Well, I'm just well, talking about on. governments. See, here's one thing that uh, people will often say with as a as an argument to the the gun in the room. Well. The government isn't actually pointing a gun at you. Stop saying that they're pointing a gun at you. I got you. that one this weekend. And, uh, you know, I do understand they're not physically pointing a gun at you. And I'm, I'm not saying that that's necessarily... It seems to hang people up. And if it hangs people up, you should look for something else. But the fact is, they're threatening violence. Oh, absolutely yeah. threatening violence. And there's no, there's no denying that. You may not like it. It's just the truth. Did you hear my call to talk back this weekend? I, I didn't. Um, let me, let, okay, let me go uh, quick uh, go on here. Now, I don't know about this state... I I uh, haven't managed to get a, a straight answer to this particular question, but I believe in this state and every other state that if you walk into a bank and say, give me the money, that you're going to be charged with armed <laughs> robbery. Do you understand? There's a good chance. I don't know. If you don't actually have an arm, if you don't have uh, uh, some if you sort go of weapon. In, if you go in with a toy gun, do you think you'll get charged? Yeah. I know somebody who was. Um, and do you think if you go in and point your finger through your coat pocket yeah, that yeah. you will? If you, get, you absolutely If you lead will. them to believe that you're armed. Right. If you lead them to believe. Now, the tone of your voice, I believe, can be construed as simply armed robbery. And in the same way, just a government bureaucrat demanding a fine is, in fact, a threat of violence. We'll come back with more and the slave test. It's your show. You bring up anything. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website. FreeTalkLive.com is the place to go. All the features we give to you. Now, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can learn how to do so by going to Promote.FreeTalkLive.com. That's Promote. .freetalklive.com, a whole list of things you can do to help get Free Talk Live into more ears around the world. Uh, so again, promote.freetalklive.com. We'll continue discussing the, uh, the slave test, but just as an aside, I had mentioned that I was going to talk about something I saw in a John Stossel special. I actually mentioned it back on the Saturday show, and I spaced out, and I didn't uh, didn't discuss it. But we were talking about the air traffic controllers and being bureaucrats and and how it is that they're they're just not as even if they're doing their best at keeping people safe in the skies they're just not doing as good of a job as they could be doing in a competitive marketplace where there say is another airport in town that they might be competing for jobs uh with but uh what i wanted to point out was it was john stossel goes to washington it's the name of the special and it was produced i think probably around 2000 or 2001 anyway in that special john stossel looks at private solutions uh, private versions of government programs, basically. So he found an airport where the airport is not run by the government, and he went in to see what their air, their air traffic control room looks like uh, compared to a government air traffic control room. And some of the differences were stunning. Uh, the government's air, air traffic control room was still using vacuum tube technologies. In when? 2000? In, yeah, the year 2000. Holy crap. Uh, also, one of the most notable things that uh, was in there was th- the way they would pass information to one another was on a little rail system. They had these little sliding rails where they'd, put a, they'd attach a note to something and then they'd just sort of slide it toward the direction that it, that it needed to go, toward the employee that was across the room or something like that. Whereas in more modern systems, you would have sort of an instant messaging system with computers. Um, so, I mean, it was just like night and 
and day. It was as though the uh, the old air traffic control room was circa 1960, and it was the year 2000. So I, I can understand that even if you put the best air traffic controller in that work environment, there's only he can only be so effective if he's using tools and technology that are older than he is. And that's the one example from John Stossel Goes to Washington of just how dramatically different, uh, of dramatic of a difference there was between a private air uh, traffic control booth and one run by the government. So uh, all that aside, we continue with the slave test uh, from our friend Dale over at anarchyinyourhead.com. Talking about how one of his friends was criticizing him for using words like violence and slave uh, too, uh, far too often in his discussions about the government. And uh, he says, uh, the friend criti- uh, critiqued me for artificially infusing my arguments with emotion when I'm talking about governments. I can't really recall his exact argument, but I think it amounted to, nuh <laughs> But I thought of a way that he and others who agree with his assertion could prove me wrong. They can take the slave test. And the slave test is very simple and fair. In fact, it places the burden of proof on me. After all, I acknowledge I'm making some pretty strong claims. Are my uses of emotionally charged words like violence and slave actually accurate in the manner in which I use them while describing the nature of governments? So, right. Uh, you know, I've, I've found that uh, people have a tendency to, when you, uh, you, when you talk like this, they have a tendency to, to latch onto one word. And rather than the sentence that you've given, for instance, I called in on uh, Talkback uh, not too long ago when you were, I think you were, when you were in jail, actually. Mm-hmm. And I said that, uh, you know, essentially this was a, an ego uh, thing between you and the judge and that these two men and their little dispute are holding us all hostage. Well, we have to pay for the dispute because you guys were disputing, you know, in the courtroom that we all have to pay for. Some guy came, called in and said, we're not hostages. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. So you're not being held by a guy with a gun in the same room as you yeah. skulking about peeking out the window. However, you try not paying for it, Buster. And see what happens. Yeah, see what happens. And so that's kind of the basis of the slave test here. Dale says, let's consider what it really means to be a slave. A slave is someone who must obey the orders of his or her master under the threat of violent punishment. So we can actually address both of my oft-used words in one experiment. Also, I acknowledge that slavery requires such abuse on an institutionalized level. If a man threatens you with violence, if you don't hand over your wallet, I would immediately concede the term slave is inappropriate. You're just a victim of an isolated violent crime. To achieve the status of slave, you'd need to be continually under the threat of violence to produce for and obey your masters. After all, the common street thug that robs you at gunpoint or knife point is not likely to come back at that same time next week and do it all over again. That's just not how they tend to work. Yeah. An important part of the slave test is to avoid engaging in any aggressive behavior that might actually justify violent intervention. If you attack someone, people are likely to intervene on behalf of the victim and might even make some sort of demand like, stop attacking that helpless elderly woman. And they might even back up the demand with a threat of violence. I wouldn't consider such an example as evidence that you're a slave. So for the test to be accurate, you must avoid any such acts of aggression. Bearing that in mind, the slave test is incredibly simple. Just act like a free person. Go about your own business doing as you please, violating no one, and politely decline to obey any orders. For instance, if someone claims you must produce for them on a regular basis, you know, by taking 15, 20, 25, 30 percent of your income, 
simply declined their demands. This is where um, this this is where it has a tendency to fall apart. What what does the the idea of slavery? Um, because the fact is, you don't have to work. A slave has to work. Whereas you do if you want to pay your bills and mm, keep food on your family's yeah, table. You do if you want to keep the house that you live in and the way the way that you've become accustomed. However, the government has set out a uh, you know, I don't I don't know what the term uh, we'll use slave. They've set out a bad slave program for people that are poor slaves to uh, you know get fed and have places to live and things like that. You understand? You don't have to work. If you do work, so you're saying the choice is to work or be a welfare queen. Correct. That's presuming you can get welfare, which in order to do that, you also have to subvert yourself to the system. Sure. I'm just saying that the, 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 the fact is you don't have to work. And that's the one little bit of I don't this think that isn't exactly right. I, I think you're wrong on that. Um, when you choose to work for somebody, you're choosing to work for that individual. The state steps in and demands your money. Oh, they do. Right. 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 I, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that the state doesn't demand a portion of your money if you do work. If you do work, they steal from you. And, uh, you know, yeah. so as, as far as the terminology slave, it's not exactly like what a slave is in most people's minds. I see where you're coming from, but to me it is. Anyway, if you get a regular bill in the mail for anything you didn't explicitly request, send it back with a polite statement that if that you choose not to pay. If, while driving safely without causing any accidents or harm, you get a blue light signal requesting you pull over, give a polite wave and continue about your business. If, after not paying one of those regular bills, you've received a printed order to show up at a certain location at a certain time, politely decline. If a man orders you to get in the back of his locked car, assert your freedom and politely decline. If you're able to peacefully go about your personal activities and politely decline to obey all orders, and if you are not subjected to violence for disobeying, then congratulations. You've passed the slave test. You're a free person. So, how many people will be able to pass this test? Not too many. Okay, so a serf is bound to the land, um, and therefore anything, a portion of anything they produce is given to the king um, in order for protection, essentially. Okay. A serf uh, could choose, if they, I suppose if they wanted to, that they could wander off and go live in the woods as a friar if they, if they chose to do that. And... But and, and they could choose not to work and not produce any food. They would die. <laughs> but mm-hmm. they um they, they could choose to do that. And then in which case, when the king's men come around, they say, "There's no food here." They likely likely wouldn't have been run through with a sword. Okay, it's possible they would have, but you know, you know, likely they wouldn't have. So I think that, like in some ways, surf. Is also a uh, you know a good uh, description. You're saying you like surf better than slave? <sighs> it's in, in some ways it fits that definition. Um, how about neo slave? That make you feel better? How about neo surf? <laughs> <laughs> I think either one is fine. Well, slaves more charged, surfs less charged. Mm-hmm. Um, with, uh, but people don't really know what surfs are, really, do they? They know that it's not good. Yeah, that's true. You know, I was having this conversation with, uh, you mentioned Talkback, which is the local talk show here in, one of the local talk shows here in Keene, and liberty activists in the area make a point of listening to it, and better yet, picking up their phones and calling in, making pro-liberty points. And this particular weekend's edition was quite mind-boggling. I highly recommend you go to freekeen.com and download the archive, and you'll be able to hear me attempt to hold these politicians' feet to the fire on the issue of government violence. 
and the fact that there is a gun in the room and the fact that there is violence backing up everything that the government demands. And it will it will amaze you to listen to the mental gymnastics that these women go through to try to avoid connecting their precious government to violence. They actually at one point say that, oh, yeah, that's aggressive, but it's not violent. They actually claim that there's some difference between aggression and violence. It's amazing. Check it out over at freekeen.com. Hour 2 is coming up. You can bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching the hour number two of the program. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, they're completely free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Go right into your phone calls. That's the point of the show. Then coming up, we'll talk about the, the Michael Phelps controversy. Uh, you may have heard that the metal winning, uh, winning swimmer has been caught with a bong, and there's been a bit of fallout as a result of that. Uh, but first, we talk to Tom in New Hampshire. Tom, you are on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Yeah, you know anybody that can uh, come up with $8.4 million a year? Because no. if we can come up with that, see, that was the figure raised in the hearing Thursday, uh, how much the state of New Hampshire would lose in bribes from Congress mm-hmm. if they lower the drinking age. And then, see, if you're under 21 and you're driving, your blood alcohol concentration level has to be lower than 0.02, or uh, it's a DWI. That's also mandated by the federal law, so they would lose another $8.4 million, but that part's optional. So it's to lower the drinking age and not the drinking and driving age. They would lose $8.4 million a year. Now... I don't know if anybody can come up with that kind of money. Uh, maybe the alcoholic beverage companies can get together and make the drinking age 18 in one state, and all of a sudden Massachusetts would be going nuts because, of course, the drinking age is 18 in New Hampshire, and they can stock up in New Hampshire. Right. Um, uh, actually, somebody at the hearing brought up the question about what about they're, they're going to get in trouble when they're, they're underage in their home state, and what about the cost to our courts? Somebody actually had to point out to her that they wouldn't be our courts. They would be their courts, Massachusetts courts, not, no cost to New Hampshire to prosecute these people. And Massachusetts is trying to tax tire sales in New Hampshire. So uh, wh- what do we care about them? My son also got up to testify, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's against lowering the drinking age. Really? Uh, he's against let, it? Okay. Yeah. He's 11. Right. And I let him come out of see he he wanted said dad when are we going to go somewhere do something I said well you know I suppose son you can come along with me but uh, statutorily you're supposed to be in school but constitutionally <laughs> you have the the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances well now why is your son against this Tom oh well he's he goes to the government run indoctrination centers and I haven't really had time to explain to him how. Uh, how some of this stuff works. I don't think he'd understand how some of this works. He heard me testify, and then he he went up and uh, he. 
I think he made the case better than I did, though, because he said they should raise it to, to when you retire, because that way uh, <laughs> you, you won't go to work and when you have a few drinks and get hurt on the job. Yeah, well, something else. Something else uh, happened. Uh, the meeting ran longer than expected, as some of them do. The hearing did. How was and, the turnout? Uh, well, I didn't see anybody in the uh, like teenagers and twenty-year-olds testifying in favor of the bill. That was that's a shame. Of, that's really sad. And, and uh, when when I got back to the car, I tell you, this is positively scandalous. Uh, the parking meter had run out, and I got a parking ticket, mm. and. and you're going to be heartbroken. You know what I did? You're going to be horrified. What did you do? <laughs> I paid it. Well, yeah, imagine. You know, isn't, isn't that just, just might hurt scandalous? You. But they might I'm hurt you if you don't existence. pay. They could steal yeah, you away. They could steal you away from your son if you don't pay. I mean, it goes back to the discussion we were having last hour about whether or not uh, we're slaves or or serfs or or vassals. I think is what uh, Rob Wicks in Georgia suggested. Perhaps is a better term. Well, what, what do you think, Tom? Do you think that uh, slave is an okay word to use? Uh, yeah, it's, um, especially where they get the idea, I mean, like, like in that hearing there, about, look what's going to happen with, um, alcoholism rates and teenage, uh, drinking and, uh, lifelong alcohol problems. You know, in the olden days, Master would force the slaves to learn carpentry so they can make more money for him, and he'd forbid them to drink in carpentry class. Now, what about when beer is going to get into high schools and middle schools? Uh, huh? Yeah, they, they want these people to make more money, one uh, of the force them to, to get an education. Well, wait a minute. Tom, I'm a little confused as to what you're saying here. You're saying they were concerned at this hearing, this hearing about reducing the drinking age in New Hampshire from 21 to 18. You said they were concerned because that could result in alcohol getting into high schools and middle schools. What kind of world are these people living in? Oh, apparently that's uh, no. happened. Not only that, but, uh, see, the way they think, if senior citizens drink too much, well, obviously we can't punish them for it because they have too much political power, so let's punish the teenagers. Punish the teenagers, yeah. And, and because survey says they got their first taste when they were teenagers. Well, you know so what I think? It's a, it's a shame, and I thank you, Tom, for the call tonight. I think it's a shame that no teenagers turned out for this. That, I mean, that, that they didn't come out and basically say, hey, look, you guys, get real. Teenagers are already out there with access to alcohol. It happens every single weekend, if not every night, uh, in this country. And you're not doing us any favors by locking us in prison cells when we get caught. I wish somebody would come out and say that to them. I can't do it because I'm 28. Well, the, um, I, I, you know, the, 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 one of the things, the arguments I've heard is that uh, kids will bring it to high school and pass it around. Cause at that the point, alcohol? Yeah, the alcohol. It happens. At that point, you have, um, you know, somebody 18 years old is legal and they're allowed to buy alcohol. Then they go to class with somebody who's 17 years old and are in the same building as somebody who's 14 years Let old. Let me tell you, that happened when I was in high school and it's illegal to, for that to happen. Yeah, it's illegal. So it, uh, that happens today. I mean, the whole idea that lowering the drinking age is going to enable uh, teenagers to drink is ludicrous. They already are drinking. That's why the cops are having such a good old time on the weekends busting high school parties. And, of course, this would mean that, well, I guess they could still bust high school parties if it was down to 18. But this would mean that a lot of their fun that they like to have busting the college kids would all of a sudden go away. And then what would the cops have to do on Friday and Saturday nights? Actually go after real criminals that are harming others? Oh, they could look for uh, the same parties and, and look for fights. 
yeah, I suppose. But either way, if you're throwing a uh, a party, uh, whether it's high school or college parties, make sure you know the the rules about how to deal with the police should they decide to show up. Don't just have somebody at the front door opening up and letting anybody in who comes in. Yeah, that's if, not going to work real well. Yeah, if the cops are knocking, don't answer. That's the number one thing you can do to keep yourself safe from the these marauding bandits. That they wear uh, they wear badges and uniforms, but they're bandits nonetheless. They'll come in and ruin all your fun, and they'll steal your beer while they're at it. And if you're lucky, they won't take you down to the pokey for the night. Now that doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes you'll get arrested. Sometimes they'll just dump the beer out and they'll go away. So I guess it all depends on how nice they're feeling or you know which cops you're dealing with. But either way, if you don't let them in, then there's nothing they can do. They can't go and get a warrant because you won't let them in the front door. At least at this point, they can't do that because they don't know who's in there. They don't know what's going on. Okay, they might have gotten a report that there's a party going on. So if the cops pull up, you turn the music down and you you turn off the flashing lights and then... uh, Just so you know, that's the most important thing from the very beginning is, hey, drunk kids, turn your music down and then you won't have the police coming to bother you because nobody cares if you're drinking. They care if you're noisy. They care if you're standing out in the front yard you know, people carrying on loud conversations because they're drunk at 3.30 in the morning and then puking in their bushes. Yeah. That's what they care about. Have a little courtesy. You won't have any problems. Toll-free number here, 800-259-9231. So it's hard to get your hopes up on a piece of legislation like that one just because there's so much money involved. As Tom pointed out, over $8 million comes in uh, to the state government for alcohol enforcement. Uh, because of the the federal government essentially siphoning money from you and I and then taking it and giving it back to the state government people and that money is that's that's the number one reason why they're going to shoot this down and that's why like Tom's suggestion that's why they have the that's why the government gives gives the money that's well right and that's why uh, the federal government gives the money I liked Tom's initial suggestion of you know approach Budweiser and approach some of these big uh, alcohol distributors and see if they can pony up the the eight million dollars because if it's all just about the money then that should satiate the state, and they should be able to lower the drink, uh, drinking age at that point. 800-259-9231. Of course, that isn't likely to happen either, because then the bigger alcohol companies would be subsidizing the lesser alcohol companies, and be a, it'd be a big mess to try to set that up. Anyway, 800-259-9231. Michael Phelps doing bong rips. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, it's your show, and you can bring up what you want via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by our friends at SACL CAI. Toll-free 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. For live streams, we've got a broadband version, dial-up version, and a webcam, all free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. And according to the Computer Privacy Handbook, normal Internet technology is the most comprehensive surveillance system ever invented. Put a stop to email snooping with an easy-to-use email alternative from privacyharbor.com. Because normal email is not secure, that's privacyharbor.com. We continue with your phone calls about whatever you want. Let's talk to Mark in Ohio. Mark, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. How's it going? You're on the air. What's on your mind? 
Hey, yeah, that uh, that advice is going to answer the door. That doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. We're talking about high schoolers, no. uh, college kids having uh, uh, drunken parties. When the cops come to the door, don't answer it. Why were you? Why would you say it doesn't always work? What are some exceptions? Because uh, my daughter was at a party, and uh, the the sheriff's department had already arrested a couple juveniles. And when they came in, the uh, team exiting the garage, there was broken beer bottles on the ground, and so it became a uh, um, safety issue, and yes, that they can, if they think that somebody's in danger, they can kick the door right in and go get them. So let me see if I'm understanding you. Oh, anyway. You said there were already some drunken kids outside. They arrested those kids? Yeah, they arrested a couple of the kids outside us. One of the neighbors, they, the children decided to park four houses down in a Mennonite church parking lot and mm-hmm. go walking across through people's yards in the country carrying six packs of beer. Excellent yeah. idea. Not too bright. Well, there's, and, uh, there's a good reason why these they, kids get busted. Yeah, it aggravated stupidity with a prior, we call that one. Yeah. And the kids were, uh, it did give them time probably to flush all of the uh, unauthorized oregano they may have had there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just, they can in the state of Ohio, they can take and go and, and end up, uh, because the kids are being such squirrels and not opening the door, and uh, one of the mothers was standing outside demanding her daughter be let outside, and they could hear the uh, the knucklehead and the inside, don't open the door, man, they can't come in if you don't open the door. And the girl said, let me out, let me out. Yeah, that didn't go well. Oh, you know, so you've got somebody who, you had somebody who was being essentially held against her will in that particular case. Yeah, borderline kidnapping. So so they showed up, they took, I don't know, my God, it must have been like, uh, it was two packet wagons full of uh, girls and boys. So, uh, now, so did like they kids, actually kick the door in or did the kids end up opening it for them? That the kids ended up opening the door. Okay, well, uh, th- now it would be interesting to see if they actually did kick the door in because it's one thing. No, it wouldn't. That would be very bad. The girl wanted out. She needed to get out. Oh, no, I agree with you. They should have let that girl out. But you were saying that the personal safety excuse was that there were broken beer bottles. And then later you told us about the girl that was inside the house. So you're saying that the, the cops can claim that there's some sort of personal safety issue and enter the home. And I'm just saying, well, I question whether or not that's true simply because they did end up getting the kids to open the door voluntarily. Uh, the cops yeah, will say anything to get you to open up that door. Well, to a point, yes, but when you have a mother standing outside screaming her head off, open this flipping door, you know. Yeah. And you could hear on the cell phone. Oh, yeah. Obviously, that's not an ideal situation. Yeah, they're uh, so silly. Clearly, the ideal situation would be to, number one, make sure you know who all your guests are, have them in the in the home, not actually out front of the house. Secondly, don't break beer bottles in the front yard. Not a good idea. Teenagers wouldn't, it wouldn't be against the law for all teenagers to drink alcohol if the vast, or if the majority of teenagers, or at least a, a, large, um, a large minority of teenagers didn't act like idiots when they did get drunk. Well, let's remember now, But it's now, because Mark, their parents uh, aren't teaching them how to drink. That's exactly what it is. It's because they don't know what they're doing when it comes to alcohol. Sorry, what was that, Mark? They grow up with it. In a German farming community, nobody ever complains. It's when the knuckleheads go driving and want to wrap themselves and three of their friends around the power pole. That's when the police get involved. Yeah. But, uh, nobody ever bothers anybody who's recreating at their home. And if their parents are there, that's a whole other thing. And this one, the father was out golfing at somewhere around uh, Thanksgiving time, you know, where the warm weather was. And these kids were going buck wild. In about mm-hmm. 15-degree weather. 
Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate the uh, the story and the input. 800-259-9231. So, yes, the ideal situation, of course, would be to have parents educating their kids honestly about alcohol and, and kind of showing them the ropes as far as what's an appropriate way to consume it. I did not get that from my parents. Uh, what I got from my parents was don't do it. Yeah. And, of course, it ended up being that I did it. And it ended up being that I had a real problem. You uh, did it, and just like everybody else has. I mean, that's the thing is when you're talking about people consuming alcohol below the age of 21, mm-hmm. you're talking about something like the 90th percentile of Amer- of the American population. Now, they go too far. I'm sure there's uh, those uh, you know those fundamental Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saint kids. They're probably not doing it. However, you're still talking about the vast majority of kids, especially in yeah. you know public schools. I don't know. Uh, you know, I couldn't tell you at private schools. Uh, I I stopped going in eighth grade, but I would imagine that you're you're still in the 90th percentile there too. Oh yeah, it's big so in private schools. The idea that you uh, you know that that you make the kids skulk about and tell lies and 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 do things like that only is going to raise the chances that something bad's going to happen. Right, and then those very parents are the ones that get so upset when their kids get caught doing what they weren't supposed to, as though they had no role to play in it. You completely had a role to play. It's it's primarily, I think, the parents' fault for not imparting the accurate information to their kids. It's hard. It's it's hard to tell parents that have had a tragic thing happen to them and their their child. That look, if you uh, would have just acted like you know a sane individual and told your kid what was going on, mm-hmm. um, you know, and 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 treated this like something that's actually going to happen, like it happened to you, well, then you know Johnny or Susie would still be alive today. Yeah, that's a t- that's a <laughs> yeah. Telling a parent after the fact something like that would be pretty harsh. It is. Uh, but that, now that you've heard it beforehand, you should take that into into advisement. Uh, those of you who will be new parents, those of you who are current parents, uh, if you haven't had a honest talk with your kids about alcohol, if you haven't actually come out and and offered to assist them with the process of learning about drinking and learning how to drink, I think you haven't done everything you could as a parent. 1-800-259-9231. Speaking of using drugs, we'll get to that here with the Michael Phelps story uh, the, in moments. But first, we go to David in California. David, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, uh, Ian and Mark. I uh, hope you had a good uh, New Year. Thank it's, you. Uh, yes, sir. Been a, yeah, been a good one out here. We keep having uh, New Year's every time you turn around. We've had a couple of them already. Uh, so I must be about 600 years old. I don't know uh, what that means. Well, you know, there's the Chinese one, there's the uh, Buddhist one, the Jewish one. uh, Yeah, on and on and on. Every time you turn around, there's firecrackers. What a day. Anyway, uh, so you know what I I ostensibly wanted to talk about, the uh, big Tennessee Valley Authority dam spill up in Kingston. Are are you aware of this? I've not heard of it, no. Well, this happened just before Christmas. So uh, let's see, I think it was the 22nd of December. So... It was just before Christmas and uh, essentially didn't get uh, newspaper or television coverage like it should have. Was this another Army Corps of Engineers project? Well, uh, Tennessee Valley Authority, okay. uh, same kind of uh, uh, stupid operation. So another government dam that, is, that failed? Yeah, and essentially what it is is um, this is uh, 120 times bigger than the Exxon Valdez uh, uh, spill of 20 years ago. So this thing has got, uh, let's see, uh, and it has not been declared a disaster. It's yet. an oil spill? No, no, no. It's uh, it's actually. I hear your music coming. Oh yeah, up. Well, you okay, you can come back here. We'll uh, we'll have you All explain right. in moments. If it's bigger than Exxon Valdez, that was an oil spill. So I'm confused. We'll find out what this is all about here. Coming up, your calls as well. It's Free Talk Live. 
This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features we give away. So enjoy those, including the Shrine of Female listeners. Dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo prove they listen to the show. See what I mean over at shrine.freetalklive.com. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. The main sponsor of the show and the sponsor of the, the telephone lines are uh, SACL CAI. They do collections, early out billing. They purchase charged-off receivables. They do basically anything that uh, you need done with the accounts receivable in your business. If you uh, like what Free Talk Live is doing, you want to help companies that uh, you know are support the freedom movement, SACL CAI has their banner at the uh, top left-hand portion of uh, freetalklive.com. You can go there and check it out. And uh, big thanks to uh, Jason and uh, all the folks at SACL CAI. All right, we continue with David in California. David, you're back on Free Talk Live. You're telling us about a spill at the Tennessee Valley Authority, uh, as I understood it, and you were just kind of getting into the details, saying it was a much larger spill than Exxon Valdez, but that was an oil spill. What you're talking about here is water though right well it's actually a slurry and uh, let me just give you a website you can uh, you know follow along with it uh, if you go to dirty coal tva and tva stands for tennessee valley authority mm-hmm. so dirty coal tva.blogspot.com and they've got all sorts of movies and data and anything you'd ever want to know you can see actual uh, you know footage of the uh, the extent of the spill what essentially it is, is uh, when coal plants have got uh, the scrubbers, uh, scrubbers are at the top of the smokestack, and they catch the ash, and then they take these ashes and dump them out in the backyard. Mm-hmm. And uh, in order to keep them from flying around, they make this huge uh, pond, and then they cover it over with water. Well, as I understand it, the TVA, uh, and this, you know, TVA is huge. It takes up many states, I think from Pennsylvania down to Mississippi. And so is this a federal program? Yeah, it is. Okay. And it's, um, you know, this was uh, Woody Guthrie kind of Tennessee Valley Authority. It was supposed to help get electricity to the south, you know, uh, back in the 1920s and 30s and whatnot. And uh, so the, uh, the TVA had this coal-fired plant up in Kingston, Tennessee, which is kind of near Knoxville, way uh, it's north of Chattanooga, about 75 miles. And uh, this, this dam that they created, it was sort of a, you know, just an earthen wall dam that was supposed to hold about a million and a half yards. And a yard is about, I think it's two, just short of 202 gallons in a yard. So they took all of this ash, covered it over with water, and this was about 20 feet away from uh, a river, uh, which leads down to a short, I think it was the Emory River, then the short distance of the Clinch River, and then straight into the Tennessee River, which feeds into the Ohio. It goes through, um, it, it feeds the water for, uh, for Chattanooga, for Huntsville, Alabama, then essentially Nashville, then it goes okay. north to... So, so they put all this ash in this one place, they covered it with water... And, and then it busted open. And the, and so, 
Yeah, okay. and then and so all of this uh, water, and it's not water at this point. It's this mush, a slurry, a kind mm. of an oatmeal of hazardous waste, and it's got uh, uh, mercury, lead, cadmium, arsenic, and radioactive isotopes. My goodness. Right. Yeah, so it's foul, and this thing was a billion two gallons. So uh, the uh, the Exxon Valdez was ten million gallons. This was 120 times bigger than the Exxon Valdez. And you're saying this has gotten virtually no press coverage, that it's pretty much been hush-hush? Uh, Absolutely. Media. And the, I mean, there has been some coverage, but the reality is, and this is why, you know, I'm a Green Party member, because the, the governor of Tennessee is a Democrat. Mm -hmm. The guy has not declared it a, uh, a disaster. Hmm. And, uh, you know, you can look on, on the uh, Dirty Cold TVA blog spot, and um, you can see that this thing, based upon the size of a dump truck, you know, with the, the size of, um, uh, you know, whether it's two yards or five yards or something, it right. could be up to three million dump truck loads full of, of hazardous waste Jeez. that were dumped up in, in this river, which, you know, runs 300 miles, gives the water for Huntsville, Alabama, Chattanooga, Nashville, I mean, essentially, this is wow. on its way to New Orleans after so, going to Paducah, Kentucky, and Memphis, and, and you know, Vicksburg, and Greenville, and all sorts of different places. This, so, happen, this happened in uh, around Christmas time. Ha haven't, ha hasn't the fallout occurred? I mean, haven't the, the people that get this water uh, been, you know, seeing things happen? I mean, what's, what's going on? What's, what's well, happening to people? Yeah, that's the whole point. The, um, in, in legal terms... For the governor to not declare it a disaster means that, and I've got a press release. If you go to, uh, I, I could either email an audio file over to you, or you could uh, go to uh, radioforall.net, uh, and uh, radioforall.net, you can put audio files up there. And uh, I've got uh, the department, the Tennessee EPA essentially uh, said that, they weren't going to declare it a disaster, and they figured the county could handle it. Three, three million dump truck loads, uh, you know, full of hazardous waste. Sounds They're crazy. saying the county can handle it. They show, they've got these videos. The activists at Dirty Coal TVA have mm -hmm. got these videos of people with leaf blowers, you know, and no, no respiration masks, uh, you know, essentially no, no clothing to you know, to just their own, you know, blue jeans and whatnot out there with leaf blowers and rakes and shovels and earth movers and whatnot. And it's all a hokey job cleaning it up. And this thing is 120 times bigger than the Exxon Valdez. That's an amazing story. And I am looking here. Uh, Wikipedia says the Tennessee Valley Authority is a federally owned corporation. Oh, sure. This is one of FDR's things. Yeah, uh, operating income was $1.6 billion in uh, fiscal year of 2006. Revenue was $9.1 billion. So this is, it's like the post office, basically. The well, it's actually worse than that because it started out as, you know, Roosevelt had one version of it, but, but then Nixon uh, and uh, Reagan have uh, slowly but surely been privatizing it. So these guys are giving themselves like $200 million bonuses at the end of the year, but they've just poisoned, you know, everything along the Tennessee River, the lower Mississippi, and the governor, by not declaring it a disaster, if you look at that uh, blog spot, they're talking about how few air monitors, how few water monitors there are. So, you know, when you, you asked me a moment ago about 
the um, the inability to get headlines and whatnot. Well, without the air monitoring and without the water monitoring, uh, you know, Chattanooga has no proof that they're being poisoned. And, hmm. uh, you know, apparently the TVA is one big, ugly uh, corporation that everybody in the five or six state area uh, is terrified of. Right, and, and here we are with the same old situation where um, this is a federal government program, essentially, that even if it was a disaster, they wouldn't be liable. The directors, the board of directors, whoever it is that's, uh, that's in charge of this program, whoever it is that that uh, was responsible for the faulty uh, wall or the dam or whatever it was that, that ended up breaking, none of these folks are going to be liable in the same way that nobody was liable from the Army Corps of Engineers when the levee broke down in New Orleans after uh, Hurricane Katrina. And nobody would be liable in this case. And even if, even if now apparently, according to Wikipedia, there is a story here that says the Southern Alliance for Clean Energy is planning on suing for $165 million on behalf of the residents in the area. Even if they do get their settlement, uh, it's going to enrich some lawyers, and the money is going to come from the taxpayers. So the taxpayers are going to be rewarding the taxpayers. And the actual individuals who caused the problem in the first place will probably not be held to any account. There will be no justice in this particular case, and that's probably one of the more tragic parts of this, is that there will be nothing to prevent this from happening again in the future. Of course, the bureaucrats will say, well, we'll make sure we do our best to uh, prevent this from happening, but they were already doing their best, and, and look what occurred as a result of it. I, I'm glad you called tonight to share this with us, and thank you for the call, David. Yeah, keep it. Yep, we'll keep it up. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. What a mess. Now, does that mean that if it were being run by a completely private company that nothing awful would ever happen? No, not necessarily. And, of course, we all know that private corporations also shield their uh, their principles, which is another problem as well. So, I mean, the whole idea of corporations, I think, is a, is a bad one. More coming up. You bring up what you want. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up whatever, uh, whatever you want, toll-free, 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI, 800-259-9231. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. If you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in and reinvest it into the show getting on more radio stations around the country, bringing more Internet listeners on board and helping expose new people to the ideas of freedom. If that sounds good to you and you want to get access to perks like the AMP-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more, head over to amp.freetalklive.com. That is amp.freetalklive.com. As we continue with your phone calls about whatever you want, let's try Paula in Florida. Paula, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Paula in Florida. Going once. Paula in Florida, going twice. Mm-hmm. And that's strike two for Paula tonight. Alrighty then. Uh, toll-free number here for you, 800-259-9231. So the Michael Phelps case has really been some interesting controversy, hasn't it? A uh, major hero uh, of America, of America's youth and uh, the American people winning eight gold medals or something like that at the recent Olympics, the uh, the biggest medal winner of the entire Olympics, Michael Phelps, caught with a bong on uh, caught on uh, a photographed with a bong in his hands, and presumably he was smoking marijuana from the bong. Nobody knows for sure, obviously, but he, I guess, has admitted to it at this point, and he has apologized for it. However, one of our listeners 
and I'm sure more than one of them, doesn't think he should have. In fact, I would agree. He should not. Well, I, I suspect the reason he did it was about sponsorship, not about legality. You know? Yeah, but he's losing the sponsorships anyway, Mark. He lost one. He's lost Major more one. than one, oh, actually. Yeah. He lost Kellogg's. I know that much. And there's been another one since then, which was also a fairly large sponsor. So the critique that uh, those who love freedom have had of this guy is, why'd you have to be such a coward? Why couldn't you stand up and be a man? Instead of bowing down and groveling at the feet of your corporate sponsors who kicked you to the curb anyway. So now you were a uh, wimp and you didn't stand up for whatever it was you believed in, which clearly you didn't believe in that that much. You didn't stand up and be a man and you lost your sponsorship. So lose-lose for you, Michael Phelps. But Radley Balco over at The Agitator had a few thoughts for him. And he wanted to see this being the letter of apology for Michael Phelps. Dear America, I take it back. I don't apologize. Because you know what? It's none of your GD business. I work my ass off for 10 months per year. It's that hard work that gave you all those gooey feelings of patriotism last summer. If during my brief window of downtime I want to relax, enjoy myself, and partake of a substance that's a hell of a lot less bad for me than alcohol, tobacco, or, frankly, most of the prescription drugs most of you are taking, well, you can spare me the lecture. I put myself through hell. I make my body do things nature never really intended us to endure. All world-class athletes do. We do it because you love to watch us push ourselves as far as we can possibly go. Some of us get hurt. Sometimes permanently. You're watching the Super Bowl tonight. You're watching 300-pound men smash each other while running at full speed in full pads. You know what the average life expectancy, or do you know what the average life expectancy of an NFL player is? 55. That's about 20 years shorter than your average non-NFL player. That's and another thing that you need to uh, to look at, and then is the you know the guys that play football they don't make it to the NFL. So many of them are hurt in high school, or college, yeah. College. I mean, especially those big guys, because it's it's the fat guys on the line that make football. Uh, you know, the you know, the guy that runs real fast, the guy that catches real good, the guy that throws real good. They wouldn't have a chance if it wasn't for those fat guys on mm-hmm. the line. And those fat guys, their knees just can't take it. They you know they they bulk up, they get bigger and bigger in order to be to more likely to get a you know a paycheck on the line there, because those guys don't get paid nearly the uh, nearly as much as these uh, you know well, the quarterbacks making yeah. Yeah. And those guys, they they don't make it to the NFL, what, a hundred times out of one or whatever? And even if they do, they're the unsung heroes. I mean, they how are. many people know who the linebackers are, right? Or whatever they're called. Well, linemen. What are, what are they called? Yeah, I don't even know what they're called. Yeah. Uh, yet you watch and you cheer and you jump up and spill your beer when a linebacker lays out a wide receiver on a crossing route across the middle. The harder he gets hit, the louder and more enthusiastically you scream. Yet you get all bent out of shape when Ricky Williams or I or Josh Howard smoke a little dope to relax. Why? Because the idiots you've elected to make your laws have, without a shred of evidence, beat it into your head that smoking marijuana is something akin to drinking antifreeze and done only by dirty hippies and sex offenders. You'll have to pardon my cynicism, but I call BS. You don't give a damn about my health. You just give a voyeuristic thrill or get a voyeuristic thrill from watching an elite athlete fall from grace. All the better if you get to exercise a little moral righteousness in the process. And it's hypocritical righteousness at that, given that 40% of you have tried pot at least once in your lives. 
Here's a crazy thought. If I can smoke a little dope and go on to win 14 Olympic gold medals, maybe pot smokers aren't doomed to lives of couch surfing and video games, as our moronic government would have us believe. In fact, the list of successful pot smokers includes not just world-class athletes like me, Howard Williams, and others. It includes Nobel Prize winners. Pulitzer Prize winners, the last three U.S. presidents, several Supreme Court justices, and luminaries and success stories from all sectors of business and the arts, sciences, and humanities. So go ahead, ban me from the next Olympics, yank my endorsement deals, stick your collective noses in the air, and get all indignant on me. While you're at it, keep arresting cancer and AIDS patients who dare to smoke the stuff because it deadens their pain or enables them to eat. Keep sending in goon squads to kick down doors and shoot little old ladies, maim innocent toddlers, handcuff elderly post-polio patients to their beds at gunpoint, and slaughter the family pet. Tell you what, I'll make you a deal. I'll apologize for smoking pot when every politician who ever did drugs and then voted to uphold or strengthen the drug laws marches his butt off to the nearest federal prison to serve out the sentence he wants to impose on everyone else for committing the same crimes he committed. I'll apologize when the sons, daughters, and nephews of powerful politicians who get caught possessing or dealing drugs in the frat house or prep school get the same treatment as the no-name, probably black kid caught on the corner or the front stoop doing the same thing. Until then, I, for one, will have none of it. I smoked pot. I liked it. I'll probably do it again. I refuse to apologize for it, because by apologizing, I help perpetuate this stupid lie, this idea that what someone puts into his own body on his own time is any of the government's damned business or any of yours. I'm not going to bend over and allow myself to be propaganda for this wasteful, ridiculous, immoral war. Go ahead and tear me down if you like, but let's see you rationalize in your next lame ONDCP commercial how the greatest MFing swimmer in the world has ever seen is also a proud pot smoker. Yours, Michael Phelps. Of course, Michael Phelps didn't actually write that in case you're just tuning in. It was Radley Balco over at theagitator.org. It's the letter he would have liked to have seen Michael Wright, which I think is what he should have done. He should have stood up and said at a press conference, hey, look, millions of Americans partake in this plant. I happen to be one of them. It did not affect my ability to win eight uh, gold medals and wow the world or wow the country with my amazing swimming prowess. I smoked marijuana before this instance, and I will smoke it again in the future And I will still continue on being the same person I have always been. Marijuana does not make you a loser. Now, if you're already a loser and you smoke marijuana, well, you'll probably still be a loser. It will not turn losers into winners. But it won't necessarily turn... It ain't Wheaties, baby. Right. It it won't (laughs) turn winners into losers, necessarily. And... Somebody like Michael Phelps would have such the perfect opportunity to do this. And it doesn't matter if it's Michael Phelps or one of the Hollywood celebrities that gets busted or, or somebody else. Somebody with some level of uh, press coverage that would be associated with them just for something like this happening. They always do the same thing. They'll either claim it wasn't theirs, they were holding it for a friend, I don't know how that got there, or I'm so, so sorry. And this is one of the biggest problems today as to why the war on drugs continues to perpetuate. Because everybody who could possibly be considered heroic or somebody that young people are supposed to look up to always just capitulates on this issue. 
they roll over and they say they're so, so sorry when you know in reality that Michael Phelps isn't going to stop smoking pot. He's just going to be more cautious about cameras being around. Well, they don't. <laughs> they, 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 what they don't want is what the sheriff, uh, you know, threatened to do to Michael Phelps. They were, they were going to go after him. Charges, yeah, with charges. Who wants that? I don't want that. And if you can, what were they going to charge him with? Smoking pot, man. There's no evidence Possession. of that. I guess he admitted to it, so that would be the problem. If he didn't admit to it, then all they have is evidence of him holding a bong in a photograph. There's no way to prove what was actually in that bong. So Until they go after Clinton, Bush, and Obama for it, I don't want to yeah. hear about it. It's just so sad watching people be pathetic about this. Stand up for your beliefs. If what you believe in is that you should be able to smoke a little bit of marijuana on your free time, then stand up and be honest about it. Don't be a coward. Like Michael Phelps, who lost his Kellogg's contract. By the way, the Marijuana Policy Project is uh, beginning a boycott of Kellogg's products. You can go over to the Marijuana Policy Project's website. I'm sure you can get involved in that if you'd like. Uh, More coming up here. Hour 3 is on the way. Bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching an hour number three of the program. You can bring up what you want. Just dial the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. Number brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 800-259-9231. And it's Ian here with you. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, Julia's here with us. Sorry about that. Try again. And Julia. And Mark. Uh, Julia joining us for the remainder of the program, and you can join us on the phones at 800-259-9231. So last hour, uh, we were talking about the Michael Phelps situation. Uh, He has lost his contract with Kellogg's, and he's lost his contract with some other uh, organization as well. And, of course, he must Subway. Subway, that's what it was, yeah. Uh, and so he must have thought, and his handlers or whatever, his management team must have thought that they'd be able to save their skin if they just came crawling out to a podium and had him apologize. Oh, I'm so sorry well, for being <laughs> caught smoking marijuana. You know, it's it's... <laughs> <laughs> Here's I, the thing. I, I don't know how many of his uh, sponsors have left and how many have stayed, but mm-hmm. if he st- st- kept one and that sponsorship is for a half a million dollars a year and he manages to keep it for a few more years, isn't it worth it to him for two million dollars to say, I'm sorry? Uh, but, wait, what, what was your question? I'm sorry. <laughs> if... If he if he managed to keep one sponsor and that sponsor was worth a half a mil a year, and he held on to them for you know the next four years, a result of him saying I'm sorry, isn't he benefited? Isn't he motivated to say I'm sorry? Okay, but he's lost let's say three million dollars in sponsors. He's already per year. lost it. Where would he have gotten it by saying? By who is who is to say, Mark, that he would have lost all his sponsors had he just had some courage and said, Hey, I smoke pot. He's, he, he's not. But, you know, if, if I were Michael Phelps sitting here, I'd say, shut up, punk. Go out and smoke a joint in front of the police station. I will. Give me some time, okay? We'll get Do to it that. now. This well, was my, you know, I didn't get to pick my time, punk. Go do it. Well, he let somebody take a picture of him. He didn't have to do that. He didn't do that as a civil disobedience. Somebody, and it, as yeah. I recall, the picture was taken from sort of behind-ish, wasn't it? 
look, I don't know. They could, they showed his face. I so I, I, I it seemed like it was a profile picture. I don't remember. Somebody sent it to me, and I don't remember. So anyway, uh, we're going to get to another story here from The Onion that I think really puts all this uh, in kind of a fun light. But first, we go to Jim in Rhode Island. Jim, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hey, guys. How's it going today? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, I just uh, found this website from the Campaign for Liberty, and I was listening to a few shows now. And uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to give you a little free plug on uh, the Free State Project and ask your opinion on something. Sure. Um, well, I think it's an awesome idea you guys got going on and bringing everybody to a central location. And uh, I've been to New Hampshire quite a few times. It's a beautiful, beautiful state. And um, I just want to ask your opinion. Now, I'm a local business owner here in Rhode Island. Okay. And we're going on about 40 years of operation, so I kind of have some commitments going on. You're established. So I want to, got it. Right, right. I want to ask in both of your opinions for someone like me who can't just, like, get up and leave. But, you know, I would like to commit to something, pro- a project like this, um, you know, someone who's pretty frustrated that the liberty movement isn't gaining, uh, you know, a lot of ground uh, on a national level anyway. Uh, what do you guys think are the most effective methods to, to get out and get involved in this thing? Well, specifically Which, the Free State Project or the liberty movement? No, I'm talking about the Free State Project. I've been involved in the liberty, liberty movement on a national level for a little while now. But, um, and you've you been know, frustrated? Like, you've been frustrated by the lack of uh, results from the national level liberty stuff? Right. Right. I, I I think it made great strides with the uh, you know the whole Ron Paul movement uh, during this presidential race, and it, I think it's going pretty big places now. But I, I would really like to get involved on a local level, and uh, I think the Free State Project is something I would like to commit to. Well, let me say I first and foremost that I feel your pain. I have been there. I understand the frustration with the national level. Uh, the Libertarian Party, for instance, is a shadow of its former self. It's absolutely in shambles, and it's it's awful. It's not even close to being uh, the party of principle anymore. And, of course, the think tanks are out there doing their good work, uh, but are they really doing much to actually advance liberty in our lifetime? I don't know. They're certainly educating people, and they're useful at what they're doing. But if you want to focus in your uh, your efforts on what's happening in New Hampshire, and I don't know how familiar you are with what's going on up here. I don't know if you're aware that hundreds of people have already moved here as part of the Free State Project. I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, many of the things that have, that have sprouted up as a result of those people moving here, like the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, which is a great organization that's doing some amazing things in the realm of the political. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of the CD Evolution Fund, which we talked about earlier in the show tonight, which is encouraging more civil disobedience. So I guess it really kind of depends on the, the, the style of activism that's most exciting to you or the kind of uh, activism you'd want to get behind. Right, right. Uh, all of those sound like great things. I'm kind of becoming more, more and more aware of the uh, um, activism that's going on in New Hampshire as time goes along. But here in Rhode Island, we don't really have um, you know, that big of a liberty movement going on. Um, it, it's a, a very um, democratic state. And, um, you know, it, there's not very much excitement going on here. But um, how about, like monetarily wise and also um do you guys have like any any kind of national events where you gather you know people from all over um nationally for you know any any type any time of year yes uh, as a matter of fact two of those events per year the free state project puts on the liberty forum which is happening coming up in early march uh, you can go to freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum to get more information about that. Plus, they also do the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which happens in the middle, uh, right in the middle of summer, or I guess early summer. 
And that's uh, the difference between the two events is the Liberty Forum is more of a convention-style atmosphere. It happens, it happens in a hotel over a weekend, whereas the Porcupine Freedom Festival is more of a longer weekend up at a uh, at a kind of an outdoors camp campground uh, style. So oh, it's, much, wow. it's much more relaxed, uh, casual atmosphere. So you can pick and choose between one or, or both of those and come out and, and see us. We usually broadcast live from both of those occasions. Uh, the Liberty Forum coming up again in early March. So that's a great opportunity to get up here and meet some of these activists that are up here really with the boots on the ground and, and doing the activism. But as far as what your your uh, your question is, is how you can get involved monetarily, obviously, is the best way to do anything if you're not in New Hampshire. And I would uh, make a few suggestions here, and I'll let Julia and Mark chime in if they've got anything additional. But clearly, I'm going to push for my things first. Uh, Free Talk Live, we've got the AMP program. It's 3 bucks a month, um, and it allows you to help us spread this show to more stations. I mean, which isn't necessarily just a New Hampshire thing. Uh, we could end up getting on stations in, in you know, Rhode Island, for instance. Uh, but right. w- th- that's money that we take and reinvest into this show. And, and since the Free State Project is an advertiser of ours and we're huge fans of it, putting money into Free Talk Live is by proxy essentially helping spread the, uh, the idea of the Free State Project all at the same time. Of course, I'm sure the Free State Project would be happy to take your funds. I know they're doing advertising on Facebook right now. Uh, they're targeting right. specific states on Facebook and apparently they've been having some success. I know they're also advertising on the Lou Rockwell podcast, and they've been having some success with that also. So I'm sure they would be happy to take some funds yeah, from they're uh, getting sign-ups at a rate uh, faster than they have uh, ever since I've been a member. So uh, right. there's a couple places right there. So to Free Talk Live and the Free State Project. Uh, we also have a local group here in the Keene area, freekeen.com. It's a blog site that I've launched. It's got a bunch of different bloggers on it from in the area, and it focuses on Keene area activism, which is different from the rest of the state because the Keene area tends to attract the more voluntarist kind of activist. Uh, somebody who's more of an outside-of-the-system uh, activist is tended to attract uh, attract attracted to this area. So if you want to support okay. some of that kind of uh, activism, freekeen.com might be a good place to go for that. Now, how uh, long have you guys been involved? Have we been involved with the Free State Project? Correct, right. I myself have been a, a member, I think, since 2003. Mark, you probably signed up not too long after that. Not too long after. And Julia, when did you join up? 2005, or, yeah, 2005. So, for a little while, and we moved up here in... Uh, 2006. It was, yeah, it was September of 2006 is when we made the move, so we've been... Highly enjoying now. it? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful state. I, I visit there quite a, quite a few times a year, but um, I, I will definitely uh, probably attend those two events that you mentioned, and uh, I'll probably take you up on, on the AMP offer, likewise, and I appreciate you guys taking the call. Yeah, yep, don't delay on the Liberty Forum. Go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum when you get off the phone with us here because uh, you want to get signed up for that as soon as possible. They're going to run out of hotel rooms at some point. Yeah, as a matter of fact, the 15th, the, the, the hotel room rate is only guaranteed till the 15th. And the special use, rate? If you use uh, code 2009FTL, when you get your tickets for the forum, not the hotel, then you'll get a 10% off. All right. Okay. Thank you for the call tonight. Really appreciate you being out there and look forward to seeing you at the Liberty Forum. Thanks, dude. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. We look forward to seeing you at the Liberty Forum. Hopefully you can come up and see us there. Uh, More coming up. You can bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. 
Ooh, and Mark. I'm bad at this. And Julia. <laughs> and Mark. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site we give away. So enjoy those on us. Uh, and those features include the updates. You get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live, just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. More than half a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Create your will or living trust or even regi- uh, register a trademark, empowering you, protecting you with common legal documents that people trust. LegalZoom.com. Use code FTL to save $10 off. Off your order at LegalZoom.com. I've used it. It is fast and easy. LegalZoom.com. All right. So somebody sent me an article, since we're talking about the whole Michael Phelps controversy, which really shouldn't have been a controversy. He should have stood up like a man and admitted to what it was that he did and, and been proud of it. Uh, and that could have really caused some interesting discussions. But I, I see that as that sort of experience. I imagine while at first it would feel really terrible there are plenty of people that smoke pot in this country. There are plenty of people who know people that smoke pot in this country Absolutely. and are okay with people smoking pot. And I, I see that as a great opportunity to really be able to deliver a message that I it's it's due time's been delivered by somebody who has standing. I mean, he's an Olympic. He's, he was the hero. He was the Olympic hero of the 2008 Olympics. I mean, he was the one that won the most gold medals. So what's the problem? Well, the the problem is is that uh, he has a potential for financial loss. I mean, if you were Michael Phelps and you had the choice of not working for the rest of your life or working well, for the rest of your life, which would you choose? Honestly, I don't see it that way. I see, obviously, he's going to lose some sponsors. But and he did. New it, ones might way. pop up. People who say, man, this guy has balls. There have to be people who have companies out there that smoke pot, right? High times. Great. Um, how much do you think? Hi, I, look, man. I'm just saying, <laughs> when one door closes, another That's, one opens, uh, and I really right don't I, I agree feel that, well, like it's the end of the world. And the guy probably has a decent amount of money, right? Maybe, maybe not. You know how yeah. Americans are with spending to their income. Okay. I, I don't know how much money he has, and you know, you don't. Once you're Michael Phelps, do you need to uh, hire bodyguards? I don't know anything I about his life. I hardly doubt that Kellogg's, if he says sorry, is going to say okay. That you know, they took a position, and I'm pretty sure they're intending on standing up. Kellogg is not going to let him go with this. Anyway, he slices right. it. I don't Kellogg's know is a very company. So come out and company. say, you know, screw you, Kellogg's. I don't care. And deliver a message that I... I don't know. I, I agree that Michael Phelps would have been the best choice to do this. Um, if if one got to choose, it's however not my life. Any of them would and be good choices. I, I agree with that. Any celebrity that gets busted for smoking pot but would be Ma- a good Michael choice. Phelps is a celebrity based on his athletic prowess, and that okay. makes him superior to Dion Warwick. Why? Because he is because part of the uh, concern about uh, marijuana is that it's bad for your health, that it destroys your lung capacity and things like that. Ah, yes. So, um, well, you need lung capacity to sing. Dion Warwick, Warwick is not the equivalent of a twelve gold medal winner. Michael yes, Phelps okay, is the fine. best mfing swimmer the he, world has ever known. Just like the article said, you're I'm right. only quoting. He is it. an ideal he spokesperson. Is the ideal person. I will agree with that. However, it is not my life, and I don't. We don't know. We have no idea. You cannot. We can speculate as to whether or not Kellogg's would take him back, or somebody else would have stepped in, or all these other things. But you know, terms like cowardly bother me. Yeah, he's cowardly. Well, then, then you're a coward too for not Why going in front of the teen, um, police department and smoking a joint right now. I double dog dare you. Saying that you smoke marijuana and smoking marijuana out in public are two different things. 
Well, the, the fact there was is, just a if, picture of him. I'm not saying that he should go stand in front of the police station tomorrow and smoke a joint. And um, because Michael Phelps is has more to lose, Ian doesn't have anything to lose. He's not going to lose any sponsors based on it. So put something on the line, put your money where your mouth is, your big fat flapping mouth, and go out there and do something, tough guy. I'm not quite sure how that even ties into this situation. You're Mark. calling Michael Phelps a coward. Yeah, I'm calling him a coward I'm for calling not standing you up, for not standing up and admitting uh, what it was that he was doing, and 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 standing tall about it. Instead, he uh, he he cowers and he backs down and As he do apologizes. You. I have not apologized for smoking you marijuana. I, you haven't gone out and taken any steps. He didn't either. He got no, caught don't smoking act like marijuana. You don't know what I'm talking about. He here. got caught smoking marijuana, right. and, and he then would he... have been a really great choice for you know pot activism. He could have I've really admitted changed to smoking things. marijuana on this show, Mark. Uh, admitting to smoking marijuana, you don't have the uh, celebrity, and you don't have the things to lose. I'm suggesting a way that you could put something on the line. Michael Phelps had something on the line, okay. whether you like it or not. Well, many of these celebrities don't have as much to lose as Michael Phelps, Dion and they Warwick all do the same have as much, Wouldn't have had much. To as much to lose. She Every, got busted in the airport, right. you know, a few years ago. Isn't she, did you just say she's a musician? She w- was. Well, she's not really. <laughs> well, perform- every musician smokes pot, and most people are okay with that. Likely. Um, I think in Dionne Dion Warwick's case, though, she was caught with it, and so she therefore was. she was trying to set a legal case up where she was, oh, I don't know how that got in yeah. there. And so she had something on the yeah, line I there, which the... is conviction. And the, the fact is, you know. When is the right time going to be, though, Mark? I mean, when is the perfect situation going to establish this itself? This was it. This was the perfect situation. But you're saying it I wasn't. Perfect because he had too much on the saying line. Saying he's a coward. You're saying it wasn't perfect because he had too much on the line. I'm saying it is perfect. He's not a coward, though, for choosing not to go for it. That's all I'm saying. You don't think that he could have made it even if he had admitted to this? You don't think that he could have gone in a different direction with his life and been successful in yes, another way? I do, but uh, I, I think he would he have to, been a hero. I think he would have had to have done it in certain manners. Like he could have opened a Michael Phelps uh, fast food chain or Michael Phelps, uh, you know, uh, Chili's or something like that, like many of these guys have done, yeah. and then made a lot of money. Uh, they, they'll, they'll lend their name to a restaurant or right. something like that and, and manage to make stuff happen. But, you know, he could have gone Phelps, in with Tommy Chong and made some bongs yeah. or something. Michael like Phelps roach clips aren't going to go anywhere. I'm sorry. I mean, there's just no money in marijuana. You High times. What do you mean there's no money in marijuana? Where have you been? There's no money. What are you talking about? There's plenty it, of money it, in oh, marijuana. Oh, you think Michael, Michael Phelps should buy bales and sell uh, QPs? <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, <laughs> wake up. <laughs> high times isn't going to do anything for him. The Mexican cartels aren't going to get it, um, you know, hire him on yeah. as a sponsor. He just had a lot to lose. And I, I refuse to call the man a coward in that respect. Do I think it was a great opportunity? I do. I feel it. But I'm not going to call the guy a coward. No. I'm not willing to put anything on the line either. Well, I think it is cowardly, uh, cowardly because if you God. don't put something on the line, then you uh, he had something on the line, and and since he backed down from that, he was cowardly. If he had gone ahead and and been honest with it, with himself and everybody else about what marijuana is all about, about how he's su- he's successful despite the fact that he smokes marijuana, that would have been a courageous thing to do. If he doesn't have courage, then he must be a coward. No, no, it doesn't stand that way. There there is the middle ground of being 
normal because there's you that's know, one cowardly side, in my opinion. To be normal is cowardly. In in this particular case, mm-hmm. anything other than standing up for your belief system. Here's is what cowardly is. You you idealistic individual. I, here's what cowardly is. Rolling over on your dope dealer so you could get out of it and hopefully if if Kellogg's would have said roll on your dope dealer, we'll give you the thing back. That's a give you the sponsorship back. That would be cowardly. That's a pretty normal thing to do. Lots of people roll over on their dealer. I, I'm, I'm sorry, that would in my mind be cowardly. However, that would be cowardly. That not, would be that would be worse than cowardly. That would be being did, a snitch. What he what he did to be absolutely normal. Snitching is lower than cowardice. 800-259-9231. Julia, was he a coward? What? Was he a coward or not? Um, I'm kind of somewhere in between you. I see what Mark's saying. All right. More coming up. You can bring up anything. How do you feel about it? Was Phelps a coward or did he do the right thing or something else It's entirely? not what I would have done. Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. And you can join us on our website. I did get it right this time. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. And they include the wiki. Over 1,800 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website. wiki.freetalklive.com. W-I-K-I. wiki.freetalklive.com. Live.com. AdamEve.com has a special offer for you. Go to AdamEve.com and get 50% off of one item when you type FTL for the offer code coupon checkout. Plus, with your order of $17 or more, they'll throw in a free gift. Get 50% off with offer code FTL at AdamEve.com. That's AdamEve.com. As we go to your phone calls here, and we'll talk first to Michael in Utah. Michael, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Julia, and Mark. Michael in Utah? Mark, Ian, Julia, you guys, thank you for putting on such a fantastic show, first of all. No problem, dude. What's on your mind? Um, A couple of things. I wanted to talk about Michael Phelps really quick. Um, I think that Michael Phelps, I I personally think it's unfair to call him a coward, and here's why. Um, He he did something that me personally, let's say, if I were to come out to uh, a bunch of people that know me and a bunch of people that, you know, shop at the business where I work and things like that and say, yeah, you know what? You guys probably don't like it, but I did. I smoked pot before. I do smoke pot now. Um, that wouldn't make me as nervous as going into competition in front of billions of people and diving into a pool and trying to perform, outperform everybody else who was there with me. Um, so you're so saying I he's courageous just because he swims? Well, no, I don't think he's courageous because he swims, and it's not like he just swims. I mean, the guy, his entire life is dedicated to doing that, and it's a courageous thing to do to dedicate your entire life and all of your time where you could be making some other income and banking on something else um, uh, working out for you, something like swimming. Um, Not necessarily that that's what makes him brave, but it's just that I'm trying to show, I guess, and illustrate that there's a difference in your values, whereas you value um, the uh, the principles that you've been standing up for for so long. Sure. Um, he, he he much more values the outcome of all of this time and effort and energy that he's put into his swimming career, and this is his big payoff for all of that effort. And, uh, you know, that's what he values. Uh, so, I mean, both of you guys are playing for your values at the same level, and really it's hard to point the finger and say I'm more right than you because my values are different. 
I'd say that's a fair observation. His values are to continue in his career uninterrupted or try to minimize the damage so he can keep doing what he was doing. And I I understand that point, but I just think it's I still think it's pathetic that he wouldn't uh, stand up for himself. I actually do, too. Now that I've said my piece about that, I actually feel the same way. And I was very disappointed and threw my hands up when I saw the cover of Newsweek at the check stand at the grocery store and uh, it just was so disappointing. Well, it was, you know, you, you can't really be disappointed. You can't really be disappointed by it because, as Mark said, it is normal. I mean, when these celebrities get caught in these situations, uh, they always, always, every single time, will apologize or claim it wasn't there. So, while this was the ideal situation, there were other ideal situations in the past uh, that that could have been helpful to the uh, the legalization movement, and nobody, nobody ever wants to stand up for themselves uh and it's just so it's just kind of more of the same but you're right it was still a little disappointing yeah and actually at least at least we have that as evidence now at least it's something that you can point to and say hey michael phelps smokes pot and he's that's the true. best winner in the world that you, we, yeah that's right you can't take that away now. absolutely right that's right um the other thing that i wanted to bring up and i apologize i caught just the end of the show i'm sorry if this already came up and i know you probably don't want to talk about it forever but the law of attraction um, oh boy was listening to sorry was listening to a podcast the other day and uh there was a gentleman that had called up and was was very much against the law of attraction and had brought up uh i wrote i wrote it down his name was dan he brought up things like what if jack had cancer um you know what about the kids that live their lives in pain and things like that and uh i just wanted to to all those people that are skeptical about that kind of thing i just wanted to bring to their attention um maybe not necessarily in defense of the law of attraction, but just something to keep in mind that really a life full of, uh, with a lot of suffering, you brought up, you know, the measure of how do you tell good from bad, um, if there is no bad, Mm -hmm. and really a life full of suffering is still, you still have the moments where the suffering takes back seat, and there's something that in everybody's life that is worth living for, and uh, to really look at somebody's life and to be nothing but angry, even even that anger, even if you have a life full of suffering and anger and all the things that are supposed to be so bad, um, is it really that bad? Because it's still, it's something. It's an emotion. It's, uh, it's a feeling. It's something that, I mean, you know, physical pain is just, it's your nerve sensors, the same way that cold is, the same way that hot is, the same way that your, your body tells you that anything is going on. It's the same with pain. And I think that people get too wrapped up and too absorbed in um, well, there's emotional frustration or there's physical pain because it's just another one of the many emotions and one of the many senses that we have, and they're all awesome. So, Thank you, Michael, for the call tonight. appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. We'll talk to the smoking vegan in California. Smoking vegan, you're on Free Talk Live. Mark, Ian, the lovely Julia. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello there. So I had a quick question for Mark. Uh, yes. He's a new parent. Well, kind of a new parent. I'm a new parent. I've got a, uh, well, about a five-month-old. Congratulations. And the, the question is this. If you had a PTA member, perhaps even a teacher, who uh, got up and stood or maybe was convicted of, of a crime like smoking weed, um, what, what, how would you feel about that? Personally, I wouldn't. I, I personally would not have a problem with it. Um, I just, I just wouldn't. You know, my next door neighbor was uh, in in Florida. Was this guy who was? He must have been in his late fifties, early sixties. One night he gets busted on his, uh, you know, either just on his way home somehow with marijuana, with like a joint. You know, some old guy. And and you know, would could he have babysat my kid? You sure? He sure could have. I mean, this was just a good guy in general. And uh, you know, the the 
no, it to me it just doesn't mean anything. Weed to me is the same as alcohol, and only not as bad. Yeah, it's, it's not as bad <laughs> as alcohol. But I try to look at them. I try to look at it the same. The only the only thing wrong with weed is that it's illegal. Oh, oh do we lose him? Sounded like we lost him. Yeah, Are you there, sir? Like a click. Okay. Uh, well, you, you know, see, since he brought up teachers getting caught with marijuana, I can actually recall. There was a story that happened while I was in high school at uh, Pineview down in uh, Sarasota. One of the science teachers was caught with marijuana plants growing in his back shed. And this guy was probably the best science teacher at the school. I mean, he was so popular amongst the kids. He was one of those teachers that all the kids raves about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, th- he was that good of a teacher. Uh, and those are really hard to find in public schools. It. Yeah. yeah. So he was fun. His classes were entertaining. One of the things he was known for uh, was the genitalia coloring contests he would do uh, for the uh, for, for the the genitalia chapter in, yeah in biology or whatever. Uh, that he would have printouts of the uh, the penis and the uh, the, the vagina and and <laughs> you know all the internal parts and everything. And he'd have the kids color them for uh, for prizes. And obviously that was somewhat of a uh, I guess a controversial thing, but nonetheless, it uh, was something that was, I guess, well, allowed to continue. Well, you have to, to stare at the pictures in the Stuck book in and memorize mind. the names. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, this guy who was a really an original teacher, quite a uh, a notable individual, was of course vilified for the fact that he had marijuana plants growing. And I believe that what it color was, did you color your penis? The, the, uh, you the, know what? I don't recall. It was yeah. in sixth grade, Mark. Uh-huh. Anyway, oh, so that's. So this guy uh, got caught with marijuana plants. I think it was one of his neighbors that snitched him out or something like that. And he was using the plants for medicinal purposes, actually. And what ended up happening to him was there was enough of an outcry, I guess, to keep him. I think there were kind of two sides to the story where some parents were upset. Teacher smoking pot, that's bad. And then there were some people who said, this is the best science teacher you have at the school. What are you considering doing taking him off your uh, your payroll? So what they ended up doing was demoting him to like a janitorial position or something like that oh, that's a good idea. at another oh. school. But he ended up coming back later and actually was reinstated as a full-on teacher a few years later. So so he well, ended up coming back. That's I, so I guess sad. It's it's sad. But I, I agree, but uh, it could have know, been worse for him. Though. This this was uh, the early '90s, and, and things weren't as advanced as they are today. And I can kind of see that, you know, how that how they would have chosen to do what they did. It doesn't sound like the worst thing they could have done. Right. Well, what I'm pointing out here is that uh, in a situation like that, because there was some support for him, because he wasn't. Uh, groveling. He he did not grovel and beg. Essentially, he said, "Look, you know, this is a it's a medical marijuana p- uh, plant. I need this." And he stood up for himself, and he got taken down, demoted for a little while, but then he was back. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Just enough time for your call if you make it now at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Julia. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features on the site, they're completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Uh, so, uh, oh, by the way, one of the ways you can help support this program is you can learn how to promote us by going to promote.freetalklive.com, getting a whole list of things you can do to help get this show into more ears around the world. That's promote.freetalklive.com. So here's a story in relation to this whole Michael Phelps situation, and leave it to the folks at The Onion to have an interesting riff 
on things like this. And actually, in reality, this story is over a decade old. Someone sent me this link to this, and The Onion is so great at uh, doing stories that are just timeless. Uh, it's Even though it was written 12 years ago, it's still just as point, uh, poignant <laughs> as uh, today as it was back then. Headline, National DEA Chief... Winners occasionally use drugs. Washington, D.C., in a surprise announcement with wide-ranging implications for U.S. narcotics policy, Drug Enforcement Administration Director Thomas Constantine acknowledged Monday that some winners may occasionally use drugs. Apparently, said Constantine, addressing reporters at Justice Department headquarters, contrary to the DEA's long-standing conviction, drug use may not be limited solely to the domain of losers. It appears that some successful Americans have experimented with illegal narcotics as well. The announcement was a result of a comprehensive three-year DEA study of more than 40,000 U.S. winners, including thousands of successful business executives, doctors, lawyers, scientists, and civic leaders. The study, originally designed by the DEA to help shed light on the qualities shared by winners that make them resistant to drugs, instead revealed that over 71% of winners had at one time or another experimented with controlled substances. This isn't some winners, and this isn't occasionally. Wait, what do you mean? I guess it is some winners, um, in that it's the majority of winners. Well, no, now how would the DEA... Most most winners. Yes, but how would the DEA spin that? I mean, if the DEA had a study that came back that said that 71% of winners... Uh, had at one time experiment at one time or another experimented with controlled substances. They're not going to come out and say most. No, they'd winners. say only losers use drugs ever, <laughs> and they would uh, obscure the way the government yeah. always does with the statistics. Obscure the way that the the results came out. Of course, this is the onion, so all of this is satire. Uh, nonetheless, we continue. Uh, So Constantine said that it remains unclear why winners who enjoy successful, productive careers and feelings of love and acceptance from their families would choose to engage in drug use. Time and time again, DEA tests have shown that no feeling you could get from drugs could be better than the great feeling you get from being a winner, said Constantine. Why, a heart surgeon, an architect, or a straight-A student would use drugs when his senses are already enormously heightened by the high that comes from being a winner (laughs) is beyond me. Making drug I love use. how they uh, include civic leaders as, uh, as, though they're winners. as though they're winners. Making drug use by winners all the more puzzling, Constantine said, is the fact that winners are more than strong enough to resist the peer pressure associated with drug use. Do not need to get high to escape from a terrible life and do not associate with the sort of people most likely to use drugs, namely losers. DEA scientists said it also remains unclear how drug-using winners have managed to avoid addiction and the many well-known destructive side effects of controlled uh, substances. Winners seem to have an unknown quality that enables them to use drugs and keep on winning. DEA head researcher and narcotics expert Howard Tobin said, It goes against everything we know about drugs. But many of the drug-taking winners we study did not, in fact, become losers. They did not lose control of their lives, nor did they lose their loved ones, their jobs, their homes, or their physical or mental well-being. There is clearly something at work here that we still do not understand. Which, of course, the reality is... the. There are millions of responsible drug users around this country, uh, many of whom would certainly be considered winners and have no problems whatsoever using drugs and going to work the next day.
I think my favorite example is uh, Rush Limbaugh with uh, the oxycodone. Or he was high at work. I mean, <laughs> somehow he managed to take these pain pills, these this you know, this, uh, you know pharmaceutical morphine every day, and who knows how? Like a lot. He was taking a lot. Well, uh, didn't they contribute to his deafness? Wasn't that something? I don't think so. Claim that? Oh, I don't know. It may be. I mean, you know, somebody knows better than I, certainly. But, uh, he, you know, he's my favorite story. And then, of course, you could point out that the last three presidents have all used drugs. And, mm-hmm. you know, the idea, yeah, absolutely, drugs, like alcohol, can get out of hand. Some drugs, more so than others. But many people manage to do these things and have productive lives. What I find, like, insulting is, I mean... D- are there really people out there that suggest that you cannot be good at what you do if you smoke marijuana on your downtime? There must be people. I mean, certainly the drug warrior types out there believe those things. They must just be such jerks about it that no one they know would dare admit to smoking marijuana around them. Right, because they would ostracize them immediately. Right. And- I mean, I just I don't understand. I just do not absolutely believe that. Anybody out there doesn't know someone who smokes marijuana. Yeah, there are the so United many of them States, you'd have definitely to know. No. And right. Whether you know about them smoking yes. is the only question. So I'm, I just, I don't know. It disgusts me that people are really just that intolerant, especially yeah. because most of the people I know that are so intolerant about it drink, drink every night. Tobin cited the five-time Super Bowl champion Dallas Cowboys as a good example of winners who achieved greatness while engaging in frequent recreational drug use. In 1993 and 1994, the Cowboys clearly were winners, trouncing the Buffalo Bills, a team with no drug users on its roster, mind you, in two straight Super Bowls by a combined score of 82-30, to Tobin said. It's puzzling, to say the least. One winner, Cupertino, California neurosurgeon Richard Frankel, a devoted family man and casual marijuana smoker, said the DEA should not necessarily be surprised. He says, I find that a little pot every now and then really helps me relax. When you consider that marijuana is less addictive and less harmful than both nicotine and alcohol, it shouldn't be all that surprising that I, like so many of my esteemed and accomplished colleagues, choose to smoke up occasionally. As a result of the study, the DEA has been forced to change many of its anti-drug awareness campaigns. On Tuesday, the agency ordered the recall of more than 150,000 U.S. video arcade games displaying the anti-drug messages, including 27,000 Mortal Kombat 2 and NARC units, which will be reprogrammed with an altered on-screen message from former FBI Director William Sessions saying, Very few winners use drugs. 800-259-9231. Wait, what, what do you mean? Very few winners use drugs. You think a lot of winners use drugs? I do. I don't know what winners Including are. Including <laughs> alcohol. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm. There's, a, you know, the, the the idea. The majority of people, and certainly your generation, my generation, uh, have used marijuana at some point or another. And to be, able, it's hard for me to f- count people that don't. And, or and, haven't. And, yeah. and to support the idea that those people would have to face the full brunt of the law, uh, that somebody would have to face the full brunt of the law just when it could have been them. You know, if you've smoked joint one time, you deserve the punishment of possession of marijuana. If it's so bad. Right. And if you support those pe- uh, people being punished in that way, you should go turn yourself in. Toll free number Would here you be you? better off? Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Who could honestly say yes to that? Who could honestly say that their son or daughter would be better off had they spent five years in prison for possession well, of marijuana? The people who stopped smoking marijuana, they learned their lesson. So maybe it's about time that 
everyone else. Yeah, maybe I should learn my lesson. Well, you know, a lesson was taught recently in Illinois where a rural jury, according to Reality Catcher at Blogspot, has found one of their peers innocent in a marijuana case that otherwise would have sent him to prison. Lauren Swift was charged with possession of marijuana with intent to deliver and faced a mandatory minimum of six years behind bars. However, the jurors nullified the verdict. Several jurors were seen shaking his hand after the verdict. A couple of them were talking and laughing with both he and his lawyer. The 59-year-old was arrested after officers from a drug task force found 25 pounds of pot and 50 pounds of growing plants in his home in 2007. The Vietnam veteran walks with a cane, has bad knees and feet, and says he uses marijuana to relieve body pain as well as to cope with post-traumatic stress. The jury exercised their right of jury nullification. Judges and prosecutors never tell you this, but when you serve on a jury, it's not just the defendant on trial, it's the law as well. If you don't like the law and think applying it in this case would be unjust, you don't have to find the defendant guilty, even if evidence clearly indicates guilt. And we talked about jury nullification a lot on this program. If you'd like to learn more about it, you can go to FIJA.org. That's the Fully Informed Jury Association, FIJA.org. But apparently, there's not much detail in this particular case as to how it was the juror ended up coming to this conclusion. Normally, if you're going to nullify, you have to be very, very quiet about the fact that you know about nullification and you can't share that information with your fellow jurors. But in this case, they acquitted this guy. So somehow the whole uh, the whole jury full on acquitted, acquitted this guy. Wow. Another hung jury. That's great. Yeah, I don't know what the real story was behind the scenes. Maybe there were some Fiji activists out there uh, leafleting. The, the courthouse or something like that but pretty awesome news and hopefully we'll see more of this happening around the country that would put a real quick end to the war on drugs if they couldn't convict anybody it's been Ian here with you and Julia and Mark see you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.